Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. Cyclical Inc. is a community of church starters, discerners, coaches, and leaders who believe in God's love inspiring faithful innovation through the church. On this podcast, we'll have dialogues with practitioners to gain insight, inspiration, and best practices for starting and leading churches in a post-industrial context. Welcome to the conversation. Hello and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. This is season two, and my name is Brendan McClenahan. I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Warnes. Hey, Nick. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing great. Okay, so for the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a lot with Cyclical in terms of gathering all of our networks and all the people involved with Cyclical for some shared vision. Um, can you just give us some highlights about what was going on the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think two things, big deal for us. Uh, one is a shift in our mission, um, moving a mission from uh, creating and sustaining ecosystems for starting new churches to instead a new why statement, which is God's love for the world, inspiring faithful innovation through the church. So I think for our listeners, what I can hear there is that we are going to continue all of our work in helping people start new churches, but we want to take what we've learned from starting new churches and expand that into a larger sphere of faithful innovation, working with existing churches, working with uh, denominations, uh, all, all these sorts of places to, to help them in their processes of innovation, especially as we go through and out of COVID. So mm-hmm. that's one side. The other side is uh, cyclical doesn't happen for free. We need to raise money. So uh, we just worked hard at expanding our fundraising. Uh, we do one push, push per year. We just did that. And uh, we'll soon find out if we raised any money. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that expanding why statement is really important because we're noticing that as we're helping new churches start, it's not, you know, there's more work to do that once we start churches, they continue and we have responsibility and relationship with these people to continue helping them innovate through various changes. And the world is changing. There's all kinds of new challenges that are hitting us. And we're realizing that Sickle is really poised to be able to help in new ways. So yeah, thanks for uh, outlining that. Um, so today, speaking of Faithful Innovation, we're going to be talking about um, the book, Faithful Innovation, which we published this year with the amazing input and help of various authors um, who we are interviewing in season two, uh, one of whom is Andrea Parrott. So I'm just going to read her bio real quick right here. Let me pull it up um, just to tell you guys a little bit more about Andrea. Andrea works out of Vancouver, Canada, and she's an associate in new worshiping communities at the Center for Missional Leadership. She's also the director of two different cyclical church planting networks. Previously, Andrea has created and led a dinner church, St. Andy's Community Table, and has served at West Point Gray Presbyterian Church in Vancouver. She has an MDiv from Vancouver School of Theology is a registered dietitian and is currently leading a missional community called the Just As We Are Baking Circle. So um, I'd like to just introduce this interview. Nick and Andrea, you guys can go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Brendan. And Andrea, welcome. Uh, coming back after your great episode from season one, thank you for joining us again for season two. And obviously, thank you for your work on this book that made it so special. Thanks, Nick. I'm uh, glad to be back. Thanks for having me. And uh, I don't know if I should say, always glad to help write things for cyclical. I don't want to create too much extra work for myself. 
<laughs> Perfect. Yes. Well, I mean, for those of you that don't know that expanding why statement we just talked about is including a new ecosystem called cyclical content, which will hold cyclical publishing. And uh, yeah, if you want to write a book, anyone, any of our listeners want to write a book, we are uh, scaling that up as we speak. Fantastic. In the, uh, in the book that we did together, Andrea, it's called Faithful Innovation, Beginning a Conversation for a Post-COVID Church. Realistically, we're moving through and then going to be moving out of COVID here in the next, whatever, one month to 20 years, <laughs> <Feels> <laughs> depending like on where you land on the threshold for that. Um, so I do want to honor both, you know, moving through COVID, but then also moving out of COVID, as this book is meant as a primer for people thinking about different theological frames as we do do that work. And Andrew, you specifically wrote on empathy. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I mean, as in all the reading I've been doing around entrepreneurship and innovation, empathy is just rising to the top of that which is essential for people starting different initiatives. So why is it that empathy stood out to you just kind of big picture for uh, a, a real needed priority going through and out of COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have to start with full disclosure that at the beginning I was a bit resistant to writing about empathy. I was like, oh, do we, is this really what our priority should be? But Interesting. Uh, after kind of diving into some of the literature and uh, reflecting biblically on it, and, and since writing this, it has become like one of the forefront values that I'm seeing uh, either uh, come out and really be demonstrated or when it's not uh, be just very, very obvious. Um, so for me, empathy, like it is biblical and often we'll go straight to compassion, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of within that spectrum, right? There's sympathy right. and empathy and compassion. Um, but for me, compassion often takes a personal relationship and sure. kind of deeply knowing someone and their situation where empathy is an entryway, a mm. chance to uh, come alongside even with a stranger um, mm. and acknowledge them and uh, just recognize that they're going through something as well. Mm -hmm. And if I've learned anything during this time of COVID is it's so easy to stop caring for the other. Um, mm. And there's a whole sorts of reasons, protectionist modes, there's only so much energy and time and uh, we're under a lot of stress and pressure right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, ignoring empathy has been a very easy thing to do during this time. Well, do you, why do you think that's different than pre-COVID? Uh, why have our empathic uh, aptitudes gone down? Yeah, um, I think part of it is just our relationships have been kind of snatched away from us. Uh, I'm so glad of the technology uh, that God has blessed us with and how right. technology has redeemed so much uh, of this COVID time. Right. Like I'm able to be here in Vancouver and chat with you down in California and that's wonderful. And, and Brendan churches... over in Michigan, yes. who's, who's yeah. kind of overseen this call. It's amazing, right? It is, and our churches can gather online, and that's beautiful and wonderful. But online definitely makes it harder to be empathetic, right? We know so much of our communication is done non-verbally, and even if you're focusing hard on your little video screen, there's just things that you can't pick up. And it's right. so much easier to be anonymous. And 
So there's that technology side of things that's hampered our ability to be empathetic. And then I also think like in our own lives, like in the book, I say like, we are all in need of empathy mm -hmm. because there is no one who has not been affected by COVID and had right. something go wrong. Uh, we I'm sure have all shed tears. One of my favorite things early on was crying in the shower. That was such great <laughs> therapy. Um, but everyone had a unique situation and continues to. Um, and uh, often I think we resort to empathy being finite. Um, sure. And uh, I quote Brene Brown in the book, who is an empathy uh, queen as well. Um, Brene Brown's so hot right now. Yeah, <laughs> she's fantastic. Um, and just the idea that, oh, I only have so much empathy to give and therefore I'm going to ration it mm. uh, versus, you know, what we see uh, in the Bible with Jesus, where there was no bounds to knowing each person's story. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I even think of when he pauses in the street on his way to go uh, raise Jairus's daughter. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden he says, there's someone who touched me. And he had time for that story and time mm -hmm. uh, to come alongside uh, the hemorrhaging woman. Interesting enough, uh, in a podcast we did with Terrell, uh, he talked about inclusion. Um, we were talking about inclusion and disciple making and apostleship. And we were reflecting on bandwidth people have to give uh, toward making disciples or apostling. Um, it strikes me as really similar with empathy, um, where uh, Terrell talked about how it's not a matter of bandwidth. Discipleship is just something we do in all the other things that we do. Like you're talking about Jesus walking along the way and the hemorrhaging woman touches him. It's not like he's thinking, oh, do I have bandwidth for this? It just, it just is. Uh, it seems like empathy could be a similar thing. We don't like have like an hour uh, scheduled per day of empathy. Like we're going about our stuff. And as we come across people and we function in mutual relationships with them, uh, empathy does need to be one of the foundational elements that we bring to a mutual relationship. Yeah, um, I really appreciate that wisdom and uh, I'm excited to, to listen to Tyrell's episode too. Um, but I think... Yes, it is kind of part of what we do, but the risk of not being intentional with our empathy is so high that right. it's just, it's easy to miss. Uh, and, you know, I, I also talk about the term of like an, an empathy miss uh, in those times where I'm sure we can all think back of like, oh, I was not empathetic. I was all about myself. I didn't take time. And I think like, as our churches are going through, uh, this COVID experience and coming out of hopefully our COVID experience, if we aren't valuing and intentionally being empathetic, we are just going to have empathetic misses. Mm -hmm. no, uh, can you explain for our listeners what an, what an empathetic miss is? Yeah, uh, this term comes from uh, Brene Brown as well, but this would be a situation where uh, we're all human and we all do not operate perfectly all the time. And so it might be something as simple as you have a friend who says, you know, pours out their story of how terrible things are going. And instead of listening and caring and showing empathy towards their situation, you say, wow, that sucks. Here's my situation. And you just kind of bulldoze mm -hmm. right over any opportunity 
for you to practice uh, being empathetic. Um, and oh that oh my goodness. Like I, I, I totally just had one happen to me a couple months ago. Uh, I was uh, with a pastor and uh, this pastor was reflecting with me on a recent miscarriage that my wife and I had had. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the empathic miss was, uh, he said, do you ever just think like, People didn't even know that they miscarried before. So, you know, what's the big deal? Oh. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so I am not a star of empathy uh, by any means, uh, but I was like, oh man, that is a huge miss. And boy, am I glad my wife's not here right now because uh, that empathic mm -hmm. miss would be uh, resulting in uh, really deep ripples of pain that I don't even have the capacity to get to if I'm quite honest with myself. So yeah, I can, oh my gosh. And, and how do, how do we, become people who don't miss when we're uh, trying to be empathic. Mm. Yeah, I mean that like Nick, your example is just so true. And I would say people are probably more familiar when they've uh, had empathy missed on themselves rather than uh, being totally self-aware humans who uh, realize every time when we don't extend empathy. Um, but I mean, I don't know if there is like one way of like, here's how you never miss empathy again. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely part of it is acknowledging it, mm -hmm. um, some good forgiveness uh, in there as well. Right. Uh, but also, I mean, it's our intentionality behind it. Um, mm -hmm. And as I think of communities, um, building it into our practices and culture so that uh, we don't leave a trail of scarred individuals mm -hmm. behind us as we go on ahead trying to fix our own problems, right? Like, right, I think right. that's just such a huge danger right now is we're all just so focused on meeting our budgets, getting our services online, mm -hmm. that uh, we forget about uh, the human and the human stories mm -hmm. uh, and the need that everyone has right now to kind of be heard and right. seen. Well, so in your chapter, you do you touch on a, a number of different things, uh, most of which we can't get to, but I do want to talk about uh, a couple of different items that you brought up. And the one of the first ones that really caught my eye as the editor uh, was your work on empathy and individualism. Um, this seems to all be connected, especially as you, our our ability to get out and about out of our homes has been lessened. We spent a lot more time with just ourselves. Uh, can you just reflect a little bit for our listeners on uh, how empathy can help us overcome our hyper-individualistic context? Yeah, um, and Nick, definitely this has become an even more individualistic time for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, so like a great example of where we unintentionally just become so individualistic is, I don't know about you, but I've been on a Zoom meeting or two or three where I log in, someone barely acknowledges my presence. Mm. I sit through the whole meeting. Uh, I maybe answer one or two questions and then the meeting's over and I log off. Mm. And it's the most anonymous, uh, disheartening experience for me at least because um, 
it was all about the individuals who happened to be online at the same time. And there was no acknowledgement of our collective story of what was going on. It was all just, yeah, I'm here because I have to be here and I'm leaving when it's yeah. done. Sounds thrilling. <laughs> Not all Zoom meetings are like that, but mm -hmm. uh, so I think empathy really helps to guard against that um, by making sure that we're kind of looking up from uh, our own experience. And uh, it, it's, it really is kind of that act of like seeing the other person. Mm. Um, there's an element of curiosity. There's an element of our worth and value as children of God. Mm -hmm. um, but not having intentional practices of empathy built into what we do, we end up with Zoom meetings where you are anonymous and it's all just individuals on there. Mm -hmm. And also in your chapter, you note how a lack of empathy bends people towards the isms. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of similar to what you're saying. Could you build on that a little bit more and talk about a lack of empathy resulting in the isms? Yeah, and uh, for those uh, who need a definition, isms would be anything from sexism to racism, ageism, ableism. It just keeps going on and on. And this is also connected to our individualism. Mm -hmm. But the idea is if we aren't practicing empathy, it's very easy to forget about one another's stories. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things that has come out of COVID, uh, and it's pretty much across the map in Canada and the US and the UK, uh, people of color have been disproportionately affected by the disease COVID mm. itself, right? Mm. Um, and so unless we are taking time to learn people's stories to uh, understand why uh, people of color are at higher risk um, mm -hmm. of catching the virus and also at higher risk of getting uh, complications, mm -hmm. then um, when empathy is not there, it's really easy to just default to racism. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for adding that to the conversation. Uh, for a lot of our listeners would identify as uh, leaders in the church on various levels. And uh, from what I've read and learned over the years, it seems like these people are uh, especially vulnerable to uh, what you named as empathy fatigue as well. Mm -hmm. So can you uh, build on empathy fatigue? Can you let us know what that is and how we might be able to press against that as you know, we are trying to be empathic people. I, don't, I mean, let's be honest. There's not like churches aren't sitting around thinking we don't want to be empathic, right? I mean, individuals mm -hmm. aren't thinking that. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is without some sense of intentionality behind it, it, it we can't have empathic misses and uh, we can just avoid empathy in general. So for those of, of us who uh, have spent a lot of time in leadership in the church and have to practice empathy on a regular basis, how do we avoid empathy fatigue? And again, can you just kind of let us know more about what that is? Yeah. I, and this is kind of, it's not the opposite end of an empathy miss, but it's when people who are hyper aware of being empathetic, right? Like you said, so many of our uh, church leaders, it's their natural stance. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is in contrast a little bit to saying, oh, but empathy isn't finite. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can have empathy fatigue because mm -hmm. if we are continually giving and giving and giving uh, empathy away, 
uh, it does deplete us. Hmm. Um, and I think how we can guard against that is uh, kind of a couple of different ways is as individual leaders, we don't have to operate at like 100% empathy all the time. Mm -hmm. And there is that danger of kind of taking on the burden of someone's story. Right. 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 Uh, of where we cross over being someone who listens and understands to being someone who is taking on the worry and the stress mm -hmm. and yeah. making someone else's problem our problem. Right. Um, so, you know, good self-care practices help with that. Um, mm -hmm. But at a larger level, it's also um, making sure collectively that we are practicing empathy with everyone. Right, sure. like how yeah, many of our church, yeah, and you know it's assumed oh the church leader they're like always oh, so nice and that right like <laughs> but but who's taking time to listen to their story right yeah, because right. Uh, anyone in a leadership position has just been running on fumes uh, right. for the past better part of a year now. Yeah, I mean, something we talk about a lot, Andrew, that I appreciate is mutuality. Um, you mm -hmm. did bring up neighbors as mutual subjects in this, but I want to talk about a different mutuality. And that's the, the mutuality of, um, if you're going to be a great empathy giver, then you probably need to be reflective over how you are a great empathy receiver. Because one without mm -hmm. the other is probably not going to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think, especially you know, it ties it again with individualism, mm. right? Like if we are in protective mode, we aren't going to be very aware of being open to or receiving empathy. Um, and yeah, it definitely, it goes both ways. So um, mm. just another thing to add to your to-do list. No, it's... <laughs> well, I just, I picture, I picture Christian leaders, two, two sides of it um, when it comes to empathy, um, especially for the ones that do give a lot of empathy and maybe aren't great at receiving it. One is, uh, I would probably argue a worse side. One, one side of it would probably be something like, oh no, I'm, I'm the, I'm the giver of empathy. I'm not the receiver of empathy. I'm like the set apart human of God or something. Um, and we, we all know how those stories and uh, we've seen Christian leaders try and function that way. Um, but the, the second side of it is a lot of leaders uh, maybe haven't been intentional with asking people to be empathic in their lives. And I'm just wondering if people need to get serious about asking that question, like who, who gives me empathy in the midst of all this empathy that I'm trying to shake out for people? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love the way you said that. And I agree. Um, I don't know about you, but I have had some really uh, wonderful, vulnerable, intense experiences mm -hmm. that have come out in seemingly nowhere during mm -hmm. COVID uh, when someone who maybe often doesn't let their guard down or is constantly in that leadership position mm -hmm. where they aren't used to receiving empathy. And there's just, you know, a little window that opens up where someone asks, well, how are you doing? Yeah. And then it's 10 minutes later and a few tears and a deep story yeah. uh, where you realize that that person really needed to share where they're at. Where they're at. Right. Um, and I think just building this into our practices as a community, mm -hmm. um, as you know, family units, as individuals, but yeah, building it in, like how are we listening to others, mm -hmm. including the leaders? And as a leader, how am I seeking out safe spaces to be listened to? 
Yeah, that's well said. And that gets us into the practical cycle that you brought up in your chapter. And I always appreciate practical cycles. We don't have a lot of time to get deep into this, but I do want to name uh, that you did begin your practical cycle with listening. I also heard you say earlier in this podcast, which I really appreciated, that empathy is more universal and compassion is typically more steeped in an existing relationship. So we, we, we do, we can listen, we can listen in the grocery line to people that we don't even know. And then your second uh, aspect in your practical cycle is presence. And then you talk about action. So listen, presence, action. If you want to be an empathic person, listen, presence, action. If you want to be a part of a church that practices empathy, listen, pre presence, action. Can you flush out for us just a little bit about what you mean by presence and then what you mean by action after listening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have talked about listening and basically building it into our gatherings and way of being. But presence, I think, is uh, showing up. Like that's how I think about it. Um, and during COVID, that adds such a layer of complication of how right. do we show up? Uh, sometimes we can't even show up in person, but how are we present in a situation? Um, and so I think uh, one thing that I've seen a big shift to, um, both ways actually, is a shift from programming to presence. Mm. So as communities, like we were over-programmed before, but it was in person, so we all kind of just ignored it. But sure. now that everything is online, like over-programming is not cutting it. Like people <laughs> right. don't show up for a Zoom meeting if they don't actually want to be there. Right. Um, and so, I think especially there's been some really great examples of communities, especially working with like our youth and teenagers mm -hmm. of rather than giving yet another, well, let's do youth alpha, let's like uh, continue our Bible study, right. but just finding ways to be present with them mm. um, is such a way to practice our, our empathy um, and have it kind of steeped into who we are. I love that. Um, yeah. And then as you're present, you can obviously still continue to listen and then you add presence to listening. And then some, I'm guessing here, some potential actionables might be able to emerge from that. Is that what you're getting at when you come, when it comes to action? Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the actions that I skew towards is actually joining in with other people's actions. So mm, if nice. we have listened what do you mean by that? well, yeah. If we've listened well to people and spent time uh, in whatever manner that looks like, uh, mm -hmm. then practicing empathy is not just like, oh, I listened, it was good, but showing up <laughs> and being alongside people uh, who have stories to tell. Um, mm -hmm. So I think of, you know, uh, all the Black Lives Matter that has gone on and will continue to go on. It's not about uh, our communities organizing something ourselves so that we can be empathetic allies, but right. it is uh, following the lead of people who are vulnerable and marginalized, uh, whose story needs to be heard. Um, yeah, so action doesn't need to be self-initiated. It can be like connectional and then partner driven. And mm -hmm. yeah, I love uh, what you're saying with allowing those that have been otherified to lead in the in the work of activating empathy. That's a good word. 
Yeah, and it pushes us outside of our church community as well, right? Mm -hmm. So even though we don't use our buildings right now, or most churches aren't using their buildings the way they were, I think we've actually become a little more insular mm -hmm. and uh, are not crossing outside and reaching out. So if we are doing actions that follow the lead of what is happening in our community, engaging with art groups, engaging with advocacy and things like that, that is our chance to uh, witness to empathy and God's love in our communities. Well, that seems to be a perfect place to land this conversation, uh, landing on empathy and missiology. I appreciate that uh, you would land the plane there, Andrea. Uh, hey, Andrea, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, where can they contact you? Where can they see you on social media? Anywhere on the interwebs, I suppose. Yeah, I'd love to hear from people. Uh, so one of the easiest ways is through the cyclical websites. So uh, cyclical uh, or www.cyclicalvancouver.ca and also cyclical Calgary, you'll be able to find me there. But also Instagram, uh, andrea.parrot and our uh, cyclicals also have Instagram under their names as well. Wonderful. So Andrea, for all the ways that you lead, uh, for all the ways that you're encouraging faithful innovators beyond even Vancouver and Calgary, we're just really grateful. And uh, yeah, we anticipate God continuing uh, to give you energy to be empathic with all the people you're with. Thanks so much, Nick. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us. We hope that you'll come back again for our next episode. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Cyclical Podcast, a resource of Cyclical Incorporated. You can join us on mission by going to cyclicalchurches.com and signing up to pray with us daily, Luke 10-2, for God to send out workers into the harvest. This episode was produced by Brianna Kinsman and me, Brendan McClenahan. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Catch you next time.